You know, folks, we've been uh, going through First Peter, and we've entitled this series, we've been going through it for the last four or five months now, we've entitled this series, Passing Through. Basically, learning how to live in this world that we live in right now. And the reality is, is you know you're going to be with Jesus, but right now you're just a sojourner. That's a word that Peter uses, a pilgrim. You're just kind of passing through. So the reality is, is you've got to know how to live your life right now and anticipation of what's to come. Now, we've talked about this many times. In fact, Peter, especially when you look at the last part of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, he has probably one of the most definitive things, instructions concerning something that all of us face. And he's trying to encourage us because this is a part of life. It's called, are you ready, suffering. Now, can I ask you a question? Don't we suffer? comes in various forms, right? We could, we could spend the whole rest of the afternoon, let's order out pizza, just going around talking about the suffering we faced, right? Isn't that reality? Suffering is a part of our lives. And so he gives instructions for us to know how to handle it because it is a part of life. It's not weird. It's not abnormal. In fact, he's going to tell us that here in a moment in the passage. It's a part of life. But here you are. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, let me just say this. I'm sad to say this, but this is reality. Sadly, for many of us in North America, We've bought into a lie that says, well, as a Christian, everything's supposed to be wonderful and great, and nothing ever is supposed to go wrong. Have you ever had that kind of conclusion? Have you might ever heard that? Nothing ever is supposed to go wrong, except, let's wait a minute, everybody pinch yourself. Stuff does go wrong, right? Stuff goes wrong in your life all the time. Stuff you didn't expect happens all the time. And you're left with, with this thought process that says only Christians are supposed to have wonderful things happen, but it's going wrong in my life. So therefore, therefore, I must be abnormal. There must be something wrong with me. There must be something wrong in my relationship with the Lord. Now listen, yes, sometimes God uses difficulties and struggles to get your attention when you're not doing right. But I'm also going to tell you, though, that sometimes stuff happens just simply because it's stuff that happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's because of the world we live in. We live in a world that's marked by sin. We live in a world that does not like God. And it's rebelling against him. So there is persecution. There is suffering. So how do we deal with that? How do we cope with this issue? Well, he's going to tell us that here in this passage we're looking at today. In fact, we're going to t I've entitled this message today, Coping with the Normal. Because I want you to understand, the junk you're going through right now is, are you ready for this, normal. If you want to write that down, write down what I just said. The junk you're going through right now is normal. It's normal. It's not abnormal. It's not weird. And so he's going to talk about that here in this passage. We're going to look at verses 12 through 19 and hopefully see something that will be an encouragement to you today. So notice with me, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verse 12. 
It's up on the screen as well. You can look at there as well. Let's look, look together. Look at what he says. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On them, on their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if you suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. For if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses and we're going to divide them into two sections, as we always do. We want to divide it into sections so we understand. We're going to, first of all, see in verse 12, perspective. He wants you and I to have a perspective about the normal. Remember what I told you, the stuff you're going through is normal. So he wants you to have a perspective. Then what we're going to see is the proper response. How do I respond to what's happening in my life? I know what the normal response is. Ah! That's the normal response, right? But that's not the response he's calling you to. So I want you to see a couple of things. First of all, the perspective. Notice what he says there, verse 12. This is what Peter says. I'm going to tell you what George says as I interpret what he's saying. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. First thing I want you to see about the perspective you and I are to have about the stuff that happens that we find ourselves in that we get overwhelmed by. Here it is. Number one, don't freak out. Now, the nice way of saying it is, is don't think it's strange. But here's the reality. You're in the midst of it right now. You're going through it. It's happening. The pressure's on. You don't know where your help is coming from. You're overwhelmed. You're marked by fear. Am I right in saying that? Fear is a big reality. And you want to scream. Now, some of you are screaming. Some of you, though, are like me. You don't scream out loud. You scream inside. And the reality is, is you get freaked out. So don't freak out. You need to be told that. Don't get upset. Well, it's normal, George. Yeah, it's normal. But don't let it rule your life. It's okay to express anguish and hurt and pain and even anger. That's normal. In fact, that's natural. But when you allow it to control you, and allow it to dictate how you're going to respond, that's not good. So he comes along and he says, don't think it's strange. This is going to happen in your life. 
Well, you know, somebody would say, well, wait a minute, George, you know, he's talking about persecution here. He's talking about those who, who are suffering for the sake of Jesus. Yes, he is. He is talking about persecution. He is talking about suffering for the sake of Jesus. Now, my question to you is, what form does that suffering take? John Piper, I sometimes listen to him. He's a pastor theologian out of Milwaukee. He actually came from South Carolina originally. And he, he likes to say that all suffering, whether it's suffering through sickness, suffering through problems that are happening in your life or in your business, suffering that happens whether somebody is outright opposing you, all of it is opposition because you are a believer. Because your opposition isn't just flesh and blood. Isn't that what Paul says? We, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. Isn't that what he says in Ephesians chapter 6? And how do, how do spiritual beings attack you? Well, they can't touch you, but they can attack you. How? Problems. Because haven't you ever sat there and wondered, like, where did that come from? Why did that happen? You're suffering because you're a believer. You've got a big bullseye painted on your chest. Do you realize that? Because you name the name of Jesus as your Lord. So don't freak out. Don't think it's strange he's saying here. Here's the second thing I want you to see here. Is we talk about having a perspective. Okay? What's happening is normal. What's happening is normal. Look at that last part of verse 12. First of all, let's look at all 12. Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. That's our normal thing. This is weird. This is not supposed to be happening. No, this is happening. This is normal. It's going to happen. Oh, you just want us to become a cynic, George. No. No, I'm not wanting you to be cynical. I'm wanting you to be realistic, though. You live in a world where stuff happens. People get sick. People make wrong decisions. People do you wrong. People will lie to you. People will make you suffer. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're in that kind of a world. You're in a world filled with selfish people who only think about who? Themselves. And so the reality is, is that suffering will happen. So what's happening to you is normal. Well, I'm pretty tired of the normal lately, George. Yes, we all are. But remember now, this is where you got to get back to what we've been talking about when we go through First Peter. Remember, you're a pilgrim. You're a sojourner. And you're only here for the moment. And one day, when you go to be with him, you need to read Revelation chapter 20, where it says that he'll what? Wipe away every tear. Where the old will pass away. Do you understand what I'm saying? All things will be made new. There'll be no more sin. No more. Do you, do you understand? I so want to be with Jesus sometimes when I think about it because I think the struggle will be over. The normal here will be gone and done away with. I want the new normal. Do you want the new normal? 
The new normal is when we go to be with Jesus. That's where our hope is. Some of us are trying to have the new normal now. You're never going to have it now. Never going to have it now. So you just hang on. Hang on to later. But you've got to have that perspective. What's the perspective? Don't get freaked out. What's happening to you is normal. So how do we respond? Well, that's what he's going to show us here in verses 13 through 19. And we're going to see several things here. First of all, look with me at verse 13. Here's what he says. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Here's the thing. Rejoice in your sufferings for Jesus. Rejoice in your sufferings for Jesus. You say, well, okay, hold on a second, George. But I'm not suffering for Jesus. What I'm suffering from is something the doctor told me. And it's not good. I'm not suffering for Jesus. I just got a pink slip in the mail. He didn't even have enough guts to tell me. He had to mail it to me. I'm not suffering for Jesus because this neighbor just smashed my car and he doesn't have any insurance. That's not suffering for Jesus. Are you sure about that? Because nothing happens to you except the Lord, what? Allows it. Do you, do you believe that? Nothing happens to you except the Lord allows it. And he told you that as a believer, as somebody who follows him, he tells you that over and over, almost every book of the New Testament is a reiteration of this one point. Jesus says, you're going to what, folks? Suffer. Jesus told you that it's going to come out of the weirdest places. Do you remember what he said in the Gospels? That even your own family will turn on you? So rejoice. Rejoice in the fact that you are joining in the sufferings of Jesus in this world. That's a whole different perspective. We've probably never thought about that. We've probably never thought that the thing that I'm going through right now, that I feel so alone in, that's so overwhelming to me, is actually a part of the sufferings of Christ, right? It is. It is. Now, let me just stop for a moment because that brings up a great point that's not in my outline here, okay? I've seen this so many times. Here's the general principle. When you go through something, one of two things will happen. One of two things. I want you to hear me. When you go through something, I've seen this. I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this in the lives of others. Number one, when some sort of crisis is happening, some sort of situation that is suffering, that is a difficult struggle, a fiery trial, it will, number one, either draw you to God or draw you away from him. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's just reality. It will either draw you to God or draw you away from him. What do you mean draw you away from him? Well, you might decide, well, I've got to figure this out on my own because God's not helping me. You wouldn't say that out loud, but that's what you're thinking. So I've got to do what i got to do. That's drawing you away. Drawing you to God is, you know what, Lord, you're the only one who can help me with this. You're the only one who can give me the wisdom. You're the only one who could open the doors. You're the only one who can deal with this person. You're the only one. You're the only one. You're the only one. See, this is what I'm trying to help you to understand. 
Rejoice. Rejoicing brings you closer to who, folks? The Lord. Brings you closer to the Lord. Look with me now, verse 14. Look at what he says. Oh, actually, let me back up. Verse 13, he tells you something there. I, need, I forgot, I should tell you this. Look at verse 13. For when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. What's he talking about there? Well, why am I going to be joyful when his glory is revealed? Because I get to share in it. Here's the point. There will be a great reward for you. It will be a great reward. Here, let me, so let me say this, okay? Nowhere does the Bible say that God's going to get you through your problem and it's going to turn out okay. Well, doesn't Romans 8.28 say that all things work together for the good? I've claimed that first, George. Yes, but working together for the good is talking about the end of the journey. Where God uses everything from your life to mold you into the person that will one day appear before him. It's talking about the end of the journey. It's not talking about right now that I can just claim that blanket promise that it's going to be okay with every situation. Have you noticed it isn't okay with every situation? It isn't. So your hope is, is that I'm going to get through this, I'm going to be with Jesus, and there'll be a great reward later on. I'm going to be a great reward later on. You know what? There are so many things. I, I, again, i got to take a rabbit trail here. There are so many things in the Bible that tell you about what it's going to be like later on. He says to the church of Philadelphia, Revelation chapter 23, and I will make them come and acknowledge you. He's talking about their enemies. He's saying that in the last day, they will come and they will acknowledge that you we're right. Isn't that awesome? Because you're thinking right now, there's no way they're ever going to admit that. Yeah, right now they're not. But one day with King Jesus, everything will be revealed. Isn't that awesome? So you just got to hang on. You just got to hold on and trust him. So there'll be a great reward. So now we come to verse 14. Look with me at verse 14. And if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Now, here's the next point. This is so awesome. This is what you got to grasp, okay? Because it's coming right out of this passage. Notice what he says there. Blessed are you for the spirit of the glory of God, of glory and of God rests upon you. What's he saying there? You're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone. Remember I told you that we sometimes will take ourselves out of the relationship with God and then when stuff happens, we get overwhelmed with fear. I was praying that today during the pastoral prayer. You know, the, the reality is, is that we feel alone and we're fearful when we're in the midst of the struggle that we're going through because we feel so what? Alone. And we feel like nobody knows how we're feeling. And that's reality, right? Nobody knows how you're feeling. Even if you're married, you know, there are a lot of times I struggle with things and I try to, I talk with Lori and, and she'll even say, I know what's going on with you. Well, she doesn't know. 
Just like I don't know about her. Now she thinks she knows. She's like, yeah, I know. No, you don't. You may know some of the things, but there are deeper issues, right? So you're left there feeling what? Alone. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Peter's saying to you, you're not alone. Because if you're suffering for Jesus, which is the normal of this world, who's resting upon you? The Spirit. Who's the Spirit? The Holy Spirit. And remember, he entered into your life the moment you got saved. So you're never alone. God never leaves you. He's there with you. Isn't that awesome to know that? But we forget that, don't we? Because we're so overwhelmed by what's happening, we've got our eyes diverted. Kind of reminds me of a guy on a boat, remember? He and his buddies are on a boat, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Hey, Jesus, can I come to you? Come. He walks on the water until he sees what? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and looks at what? All the waves, and he starts to what? Sink. That's the way we are, right? You're not alone in your suffering. Look with me at verse 15. Verse 15. He says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. He just want to make a point here just to remind us. He said, if you're going to suffer, you know what? Do not suffer because of your sinful actions. He mentioned several sins there. And notice they're all given equal weight. So the murderer is given equal weight with the busybody. What's a busybody? A gossip. Is he just wanting to focus on those sins? No, he's just focusing on the reality that if you're going to suffer, suffer for Jesus for doing what's right, not because you created the problem for yourself. And let's be honest, we do create problems for ourselves, right? That's the point he's making here. If you're going to suffer, if you're going to go through what's normal, let it be because you're living for the Lord in your life and stuff happens, but don't let it be because it's the consequences of your actions. That's what he's saying here. Then look with me at verse 16. He's going to make another point here, and this is so real. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Notice, don't be ashamed of what you're enduring. Boy, I, sometimes when I read Peter, I just feel like he's he's reading he's he knows what I'm eating for lunch. Like he's knowing my business. Because it's not just fear that I face when I'm going through it. What's the other thing that I face? Shame. Shame. And I'll tell you the first place that you will feel the shame in. You want to know where it is? You ready? Okay, hold on to your seats. The first place that you'll feel the shame. All right, here it is. You ready? It's one word. Church. Church. Why? Because Christians will make you feel shame. Because of the stuff you're going through. Because why? Because remember, we bought that lie. Everything's supposed to be wonderful if you know Jesus. Nothing's ever supposed to go wrong. And if something's going wrong, here's what we'll say. We'll say, oh, Brad, you're going through something? Oh, uh, uh, okay. Hey, Rob. I wonder what Brad did. I mean, because it's pouring down in his life right now. What, what did he do? Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we do in church? 
Isn't that what Christians do? And so what happens is, is then, because he's, it's, it's bad enough that Brad's got to deal with the stuff he's going through, and he's got to deal with his own fears and trusting Jesus through it, now throw on top of that, shame. Feeling shame. From the community. Because of what you're going through. This is what he's saying here. Don't be ashamed of what you're enduring because let's remember, remind ourselves of something. He just told us this in verse 12, right, folks? Because what you're going through is what? Normal. Normal. Here's the reality. The sad thing about humanity is is that we're always wanting to look for a reason for why stuff happens. And sometimes we get wrong what the reason is. And so sometimes we make statements about people that are incorrect because we're looking for the reason for whatever happened in their life. Sometimes I'm going to tell you folks, the reality is, is that is so wrong. Yes, sometimes do people create stuff for themselves. But a lot of times, stuff just happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stuff just happens because we live in a world marked by what folks sin sin so don't be ashamed of what what you're going through so then he comes now the verse 17 and 18 and here's the main point you got to grasp but let me read you the verses and so I'll, I'll show you what he's saying here for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the final thing that you need to recognize as you're responding to what you're going through. Here's the point. God uses suffering to purify your life. God uses it. God uses suffering to purify your life. He uses it to mature you. In fact, that's what James talks about. James in chapter 1. He talks about being happy about the stuff that you're facing because God uses it to mature you. God uses the suffering in your life for a purpose. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. All right? You guys know this is my second church. I've been here almost now 18 years. But before this, I pastored in another church in Canada for four years. I'll be honest with you. I never... I mean, I love those people who were there. Some of them have gone to be gone, have died and gone to be home with the Lord now. But I never, ever, ever want to experience that again. If somebody said, would you like to go pastor that at church again? I would tell them, no, no way. If I knew what I knew now, I would never have gone there. But God wanted me to go there. Why? Because God wanted me to go, Lori and I, to go through fire there. And we went through fire there. It was intense. Enough to make you want to decide you're never going to be in ministry again.
But here's what I've realized now as I've gotten older. I had to go through that. I had to. And there are multiple things that I can put, that have, that are happening now that I could trace back to those four years. And if I had not spent, if we and Lori and I had not spent those four years there, the things that God is using now and, and allowing me to do right now would have never happened. Never. So I want you to think about that in your life. Okay, so let's stop. We'll take, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it home to our church. Okay. All right. Some of you were here during those days, but some of you, some of you remember the 1997 through the year 2000 chaos of our church. Three years of chaos. It's three years, right? I think three years of chaos. And it's like, holy cow, three years of chaos. But I, you know what? Can I be honest with you? We are who we are today. I, I wasn't a part of that, but I came after that. We are who we are today as a church because our church went through that. And we decided we're never going there again, right? We decided we're not going to be that again. That's why we are who we are today, because we learned the lessons of what happened from that time period as a church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the church you have today is because of deciding not to do that again. Did you understand? Leaders deciding we're not going to do that again. We're not going to go through that. God uses your suffering. Do you understand? He's using your suffering. And you will get through it. How do you know I'll get through it? Because you're going to be with Jesus one day. You'll get through it. He didn't say, well, it's going to go last six months. It might last five years. I don't want to hear that, George. I'm just telling you the truth. But you got to get, a, get perspective. So don't freak out. God's using your suffering. So here's what you do. What do we do with this? We're going to wrap this up because we're going to go on to something completely different when we get into chapter 5 next week. Here's what I want you to see. I'm going to make two thoughts for you. Okay? Number one, God is using your suffering. He's using it. I know because I've been there and I may be even going through something myself right now, but I'm not going to tell you that. But here's the reality. It's painful. You hate it. You want it done with. Why do you have to go through it? I mean, you're complaining to the Lord, which it's okay. Oh, we should never complain to the Lord. Really, have you read the Psalms lately? Many times David cries out to the Lord and says, God, where are you? They're encompassing me. They're going to kill me. You've abandoned me, Lord. Isn't that the Psalms? I'm not sure. Well, then read them. You'll see. But always he comes back to what? Praising God for being there. Praising God for being there. God's using your suffering. So hang on. So here's the second thing. It's time to move from living in despair to living with hope. 
Because that living in despair, that's where we're at when we're in the midst of it, right? That's where we're at. It's like, oh, no, what else could God make? It went rains and pours. Oh, what else could go wrong? Oh, it's time to kill it. Don't freak out, people. You're not alone. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Go to God. Live with hope. In fact, isn't that isn't that what he's talking about in Philippians? Remember Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7? Do not be anxious for anything, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made unknown, known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. Pray. And he'll give you peace. Remember I told you, man, those four years, I don't ever want to live them again, but there was an experience in those four years, that last year especially. You know, Lori and I, we used to talk all the time, and and I would say to her, many nights I would say to her, Lori, you just go on to bed, I'm going to talk to the Lord. And I would talk to the Lord, and I would t- pour out my heart to him about what was going on in that church and with people, and 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 and, and always God would give me, it was unreal, a peace. But it was only for the next day. And he never said it would ever be okay. In fact, folks, it never was okay. But what he told me was, I'm with you. I'm with you. So don't freak out. So let me ask you, what are you freaking out about? It's time to stop. Let me pray for you.